The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to Sunday night. Happy Sunday night, of course. And welcome to the Park in the Bus podcast, episode 8. Your Sunday night home for soccer talk. This is your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, coming to you tonight, as always, from Greater Boston here in the United States of America, going out to the entire world. And we've got another action-packed, Another loaded episode for everybody tonight. We're going around the world as we always do. And we're going to park that bus all over the world. We're going to start right off, uh, right out of the blocks fast. We're going to Australia down under to start our show this week. Where the regular season is just about over in the Hyundai A-League. One match left to play in the league. That's right, there's one match left. It will be played on August the 19th, which is Wednesday in Australia, so Tuesday here in the United States, essentially. It'll be Western United FC versus Melbourne City FC, and that will decide the final uh, standings for the playoffs coming up, the, the finals series, as they're calling them. And Western United right now are fifth, while Melbourne City are second. So that result can shift. Um, basically, Western United can still go up with a victory. They can move from fifth to fourth. Melbourne City are in. They are basically um, they are sewn in at second place. Let's go to the table. All right. Uh, first place is Sydney FC with 53 points. They are top of the table. Melbourne City are second. 44 points. They can't finish any lower. They can't finish any higher. They are second place. Third place is Wellington Phoenix, 41 points, while Brisbane Roar have 40 points in fourth. Western United, as we said, 39 points in fifth with a victory in their final game. If they can pull off the victory over Wellington, uh, over Melbourne City, excuse me, they can move in. They can actually, with three points, they can move all the way to third place, which will change everything for the playoffs. And in sixth place, qualified in the final spot, it is Perth Glory, 37 points. Uh, This is all after 26 matches. And rounding out the table, seventh place is Adelaide United with 36. Newcastle Jets are eighth on 34 points. Western Sydney Wanderers are ninth on 33, and then Melbourne Victory 23 points, way behind in 10th, and in last, 11th place, Central Coast Mariners, a mere 18 points. Let's look at the playoff picture right now. So, by this time next week, we will have played the Elimination Finals, as they're calling them. That is the equivalent to, here in the United States, the NFL's uh, wildcard round. So, third place will play sixth. Fourth place will play fifth. We don't know who that's going to be until after this match is played on Wednesday. So, and you'll have, I'm sorry, you'll have the fourth place take on the fifth place. And you'll have the third take on the sixth, like we said. As we, Perth Glory are set to be the sixth place. So we already know that Perth Glory will take on whoever finishes in third place. And... The other two teams that finish in 4th and 5th will play each other. And then on August the 26th, Sydney FC will take on the lowest-ranked elimination final winner. And Melbourne City will take on the highest-ranked elimination final winner. Setting up the grand final, the 2020, sorry, the 2020 A-League grand final will be on the 30th of August. 
the winner of the two semifinals, of course. So we will be watching this here at the PTB Media Network. We'll be watching the Hyundai A-League. Now, before we move on, okay, just a couple of announcements this week. I did want to talk about this really quickly. Um, Champions League, Europa League coverage here in the United States has been uh, elevated, okay, that's because CBS is now in the soccer business. That's right, the Columbia Broadcasting Systems now in the soccer business, the football business, okay? Yes, they've put most of these matches behind a paywall at CBS All Access. Um, so now you have football available in Spanish and in English, Champions League and Europa League, okay? Uh, 2DNA and Univision, uh, 2DNA basically has all of the all of the games in Spanish. It's available across all of their platforms and CBS now through CBS Sports and CBS All Access with the English language coverage. And um, I I took the time this week to watch to to focus in on the English language coverage. I've been watching 2DNA since they launched. Phenomenal network. Absolutely fantastic network. They do a great job covering the game. But if you're not someone who who understands Spanish, or if you're not somebody who who prefers to watch football in Spanish, finally, I believe you have an English language equivalent in terms of quality. I have to applaud CBS for their coverage of both tournaments this week. The analysis, the pregame, the postgame, it's all Five notches above Turner. Okay, it's five notches above TNT and Bleacher Report. CBS All Access. Yes, you pay for it, but what a deal. If you go to to CBS All Access's um, app, you can get a year now for under $60. That's less than $6 a month, okay? Um, if you... If you want to pay monthly, you can pay monthly. I believe it's five ninety nine a month, but you save by taking sixty dollars for the entire year. And um, I have signed up for that. I, I do say, and I enjoyed watching it. I mean, you got a great, great uh, studio team. Kate Abdul hosting. She is phenomenal. Let me tell you, this woman can can do so many things from a hosting standpoint. And what's most impressive, as somebody okay, who speaks a couple languages. She does something I can't even imagine trying to do. Um, whether it was the Bayern Munich Barcelona match or it was the Leon versus Manchester City match, okay, the press conference interviews are given in different languages. I mean, she was she was my MVP this week as she was translating in German, in in French, and in Spanish. As they were speaking, I was blown away because you can see Rudy Rudy Gonzalez, um, Rudy Gomez, for example. You can see him speaking in French, and she is translating to you so that you hear it in English. But while she's saying it to you, he's still speaking, and while she's speaking and translating to you, her ears are listening to what he's saying, and she's keeping up with everything he's saying and continuing to translate it for it. My brain cannot do that. I think that is an amazing talent. And um, it, um, all the credit in the world to CBS for building this studio staff. Kate Abdo, the best in the business at hosting. I don't care what anyone says. I'm better than Rob Stone, no question. I can't stand Rob Stone's style. It's a very Fox style. I understand that. It's all it's all fun and games, and it's all laid back. No. Kate Abdul comes to work. She's professional. She is personable. You can see she's got a good personality, and she just knows how to host. And the panel has just been phenomenal, whether it's been Roberto Martinez, Jamie Carragher, Mika Richards, you know, and all the other people they've brought on for these different matches this week. I give a nod of approval to CBS Sports for their coverage. They have raised the game here in the United States. They've raised the level of coverage, level of analysis here in the United States. Bravo. Bravo to CBS. All right. Coming up now, we got a special report from our friend in Ontario, Canada. This is a special report from Mario Mata. He presented, he submitted this. Here is our first of many weekly check-ins with the Canadian Premier League. That's right. The Canadian Premier League. All right. They got started this week. Mario is going to introduce us to the Canadian Premier League and tell you how the kickoff went. And he's going to tell you a little bit about the history of the league. Let's go now 
to Mario. Great White North, my name is Mario up here in Canada, and Mike has graciously invited me to give you guys a little bit of coverage on the Canadian Premier League. And for this first segment here, I'm going to break it up into three parts for everyone listening. The first one's going to be just a little bit of Canadian League history itself, and Canadian club history, followed up with the inaugural season of the Canadian Premier League this past year. And what we just saw this past Thursday was a kickoff of the Canadian Premier League's second season. So just to quickly kick off, when I look at the listeners here, and I was to ask everyone that's listening what you know about the Canadian Soccer League over the last decade, I would forgive everyone listening if the answer was nothing. Because that's truly what we had. Up here in Canada, we had Toronto FC, the Montreal Impact, the Vancouver Whitecaps, Edmonton FC, and the Ottawa Fury all playing their trade in the PDLs, NSALs, and the MLSs of the U.S. system. We had no televised league or any proper domestic league here in Canada. The way the CONCACAF Champions League was settled in Canada is what was called the Canadian Cup, or more domestically, the Voyager's Cup, as we call it here. And it was pretty much a small tournament with these MLS sides, PDL sides, and NSAL sides that were Canadian-based to just determine who would go into that CONCACAF Champions League seeding. Uh, and well over the years, we've seen the Montreal Impact go to the final of the CONCACAF League and TFC have some amazing runs in this tournament. That was pretty much the end coverage of Canadian football, both in the U.S., internationally, and domestically here in Canada. That all did change this past year. We saw a collective of savvy business owners, uh, Canadian Federation of Footballing Experts, and international interest groups uh, take a huge interest in actually seeing Canada have its first full-fledged league in many years. We're talking a coast-to-coast league with CONCACAF seeding. The first inaugural year had seven clubs. Just to rhyme them off, we had Pacific FC joining the Vancouver Whitecaps out in British Columbia, Chuuk other clubs out in Alberta now with Edmonton FC being part of the Canadian Premier League, and Calvary all the way down in Calgary down there. Followed up with the... Valor in Manitoba. We have Forge FC representing Hamilton and their neighbors in Toronto, the York Nine. And rounding up the seventh club was the Halifax Wanderers, becoming the first professional team in the East Coast of Canada. And for those sports fans that watch various sports in North America, if you looked at the map and you looked east, once hit Montreal, that's where you'd see the Montreal Habs and Canadians in the NHL. And that would be the end of professional sports in Canada for the rest of the country on the eastern border. So this became the first professional coast-to-coast represented league where you had teams all the way from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean battling out. And that first inaugural season was quite unique where we followed more of a Liga MX style. You basically had a spring season and a fall season playing a domestic table home and away, resulting in a spring champion and a fall champion. And should the champion of both of those leagues be the same, they'd take then a second-place team with the most points. And those two clubs is what in the fall had the Canadian Premier League Cup final to determine the first winner. What we ended up seeing was a very neck-and-neck race between Calvary FC and Forge FC out of Hamilton. And uh, this neck-and-neck race did result in Calvary getting the spring championship and fall championship but right out of the gate with their first visit to Hamilton in Ontario, 
it was one heck of a match. And by a match, it was exciting. The fouls were brutally hard, uh, over the top, and you had controversial calls. And at the end of the day, while Forge did lose that game, you ended up seeing benches cleared, a fist fight took place, you even had police officers having to break up these fights. And it was just a very wild and unexpected rivalry that kicked off last year and carried throughout the season with this tit-for-tat. And while Calvary did nick the result to get that spring championship and the fall championship, when it came to the Canadian Premier League Cup final between these two sides, it was Forge FC that got the last laugh with the win both away and at home to become the forever first Canadian Premier League champions. And they've done it! Canada, it's Forge. They are forever first. It's a championship made for Hamilton as Forge are the kings of the north. Let's go! Oh my god. You guys see that? That's World Champs. Everybody watch. Look. Voyager's Cup, which I mentioned a bit ago, which was made up of that small group of teams, now is diversely expanded, looking like a true federation-style cup that you're familiar with in other parts of the world. And in that tournament itself, this being the first season of the Canadian Premier League, these players had not played together much. They didn't new management staff, new flow. You know, expectations were relatively low. But what we saw in turn was Calvary FC creating one heck of a surprise when they beat out the Vancouver Whitecaps of the MLS out of the Voyager's Cup. Not enough desperation, not enough attacking invention. And that's it! Vancouver, the home of Upset City. For the first time, a Canadian Premier League side has defeated a club team from Major League Soccer. They said it wasn't possible, not quite yet. Cavalry, well, they had other plans. The Canadian Premier League team captures the magic of this Canadian Cup competition. They're moving on. Another MLS team awaits in the Montreal Impact. Thumbs down for the Whitecaps. More embarrassment at the hands of the side from Calgary. Bragging rights, at least in this tie, go to the Canadian Premier League and Cavalry. They're moving on. Going all the way to the semifinals and narrowly losing out to the Montreal Impact, which became eventual champions by beating Toronto FC in the Canadian Cup final. The team that did go to the first CONCACAF League from the Premier, Canadian Premier League was Forge FC. And again, brand new team, low expectations. And they surprised themselves going f well into the tournament, beating Antigua, going against Olympia, which is a Honduras side that had won the CONCACAF League in the past and surprising everyone by Forge FC getting the win at home and narrowly losing out on the away leg. Overall, it was an amazing first season. One of the standout players for me was out of Forge FC, a Canadian-Portuguese individual named Tristan Borges, which had a knockout year and got signed out to go and play in Belgium after this year. Uh, so big congratulations to that individual, which I did meet, and uh, a very exciting way to kind of wrap up that first season. And now here we are, kicking off the second season of the Canadian Premier League. We'll be doing regular segments on this show, providing you updates. And as everyone is clearly familiar with 2020 has been a challenging year for many leagues obviously the canadian premier league did not start in the spring like it was supposed to instead it's resulted in a very unique format which is actually going to add its own level of excitement more so than i think the original league was going to have just to start it off it's now eight teams we had an eighth club which is in the capital of canada in a very unique situation because it comes all the way from the capital of madrid with atletico madrid coming to Canada and starting Atletico Ottawa. Uh, very interesting setup where it looks very similar to the Atletico Madrid you're familiar with, some of the colors, the banners, 
uh, except with a Canadian spin to it. Uh, big investment from La Liga into the Canadian Premier League. And it does show that clearly the first inaugural season did turn some heads. It's an amazing opportunity for some of these countries to get involved in the early uh, editions of this league and kind of put a footprint that can be forever lasting for many years to come. And due to the tighter schedule, what they decided to do is do a bubble scenario out in the East Coast in Prince Edward Island. All the games are going to be hosted there. And what they're doing is basically a home and away style league with eight clubs. They're going to go back and forth complete that first stage complete basically that season and your top four teams will advance to a group stage those four teams will play a typical group stage type of feel where the first place and second place winner of the group stage will then face off and that will determine the canadian 2020 premier league champion the interesting bit is that since every league is running with these unique condensed schedules the mls itself is running their own condensed schedule down south and our canadian contingent of the toronto fc montreal impact and the vancouver whitecaps and their back and forths within the mls there's already a system now built in where they will be adding up the points between the canadian teams themselves and what they were able to earn and they themselves are playing a miniature group stage within the mls tournament the winner with the most points will then advance and they're doing basically a one uh, round final for the uh, Canadian Voyagers Cup. So it will be the winner of the Canadian Premier League versus the MLS side uh, with the Canadian club from that tournament uh, facing off. And the winner is what's going to go and settle the CONCACAF League and Champions League spots. So adds an extra level of excitement. It's a neat way to wrap up this fall season. And I'll be bringing you quite a bit of the matches. And here we go. We kick off the Premier League second season. And no better way to do it than to grab Forge FC and Cavalry FC. who were at each other's necks all last season. Start off this season with the home opener this past Thursday. And it really did feel like the season never ended last year. These guys came in hard. I'm shocked there were no red cards in this game with the way so many slide tackles were coming in fast and vicious. It was Calvary that got the first goal in this game. Uh, and these fouls came quite hard to the point where we saw five yellow cards throughout this whole game. And a surprising amount of other yellows and reds that could have been called that decided not to play. Um, Calvary uh, did try to kind of hold on to that lead until Forge had a beautiful goal from Novak. If you have a chance, look up any highlights from the Canadian Premier League this past weekend. It was a great goal to check out. Kyle Becker, which is a former MLS player and Forge FC's captain, got a beautiful header in to make a 2-1. And then in the 94th minute, we had quite a bit of controversy and controversy that led to a handball that many people believe was not a handball and resulted in basically Calvary getting a 2-2 draw to open up the whole competition. And the other key matches from this past weekend really were the York 9 and Atletico. Atletico being the new boys in this tournament all the way from Spain. Uh, we have basically Atletico Madrid's uh, presence now in the Canadian Premier League, and they uh, basically have created this uh, outstanding-looking team that's quite fun to watch. And at the same time, not to be overlooked, you had the Halifax Wanderers against Pacific, the Battle of the Coasts. And because this tournament is being held in PEI on the East Coast, basically in Halifax's backyard, a lot of people will be watching them closely to see if that home field advantage does take place. As always, I'll be joining Mike here to provide you a few more updates throughout this season on the Canadian Premier League. Thank you so much for all your time, guys, and keep enjoying the show. Thank you, Mario, for that report. Thank you to um, all the listeners in Canada, all the fans of the Canadian Premier League. Now, Mario told you in that bit about the opening match earlier in the week. That was Forge FC2, Cavalry FC2. Now, there have been four more matches this weekend, so I have some results for you 
to uh, bring you up to speed on the CPL. Uh, yesterday it was York 9 FC 2, Atletico Ottawa 2, and Halifax Wanderers FC 2, and Pacific FC 2. So both matches yesterday, 2-2 draws. Today, Valor FC 0, Cavalry FC 2, and Forge FC 2, FC Edmonton 0. Let's go to the table. So with some teams playing two matches, actually with Cavalry and Forge having played two matches, they are not surprisingly the top two in the table. Cavalry is top with four points. Forge also with four points. Both teams with four goals for, two goals against, um, and a plus two goal difference. I'm assuming Cavalry is only ahead on alphabetical order right now. In third place, it's Atletico Ottawa with one point. Halifax Wanderers one point in fourth. Fifth is Pacific FC, also on one in York FC with one in sixth. FC Edmonton and Valor FC have no points as they bring up the rear in seventh and eighth. And before we take a break, we're going to take the bus across the pond from Canada. And we are going to Belgium. The Belgium League 2021 has gotten underway and they are now in round two, I want to say. Yes, they are in. They just completed round two. Here are the results from round two in Belgium. Yesterday, Royal Excel, Moschkron, nil. KV, Mechelen, one. Genk, one. Oud, Herevle, one. Why is Ghent on here twice? Very interesting, uh... Interesting thing here by <laughs> very very interesting thing here on Fought Mob. I do apologize, but it's got Gant. Oh, sorry, Gant. The first team was Gank, G E N K, and they drew one one with Old Heravi. Now Gant, G E N T, one. Court uh, two. Sporting Sporting Charleroi one. Ostende nil. Today, August the 16th, Circel uh, Bruges 2, Royal Antwerp 1, Beershot 3, Zulte Warjam 1, Upen 0, Club Bruges 4, Anderlecht 3, St. Truden 1. One match to play tomorrow, it's Wasland Beveren versus Standard Liège. Let's go to the table now in the in Belgium. And it is top of the table. It is Beershot with two victories from two matches. Six points uh, plus three goal difference. Sporting Charlois are second with six points as well, but uh, an inferior goal difference. Anderlecht, one of the traditional powers, are in third. They have four points, as does Genk. In third, uh, in fourth place, excuse me, with four points. KV Mechelen also has four points there. Fifth, Club Rouge are sixth with three points from two matches. While uh, Walshland, Beveren, and Standard Liège are seventh and eighth, respectively, on three points. But they have a match in hand as they are playing tomorrow. Circle Bruges are ninth on three points. Kortruk, St. Trien, and Oud uh, Heravi bring up 10th, 11th, and 12th, while Royal Antwerp are 13th on one point. Royal Excel Moscoron are 14th on one point. Upen have one point as well in 15th. And then it's Ghent, Ostende, and Zulte Warejem are the three teams in the bottom with zero points okay let's take a quick break here on the park in the bus podcast i am your host the mr mike agustinu please follow the park in the bus podcast uh, network on twitter at ptb underscore media also on instagram at ptb underscore media we'll be right back where we go to mexico we're gonna go from belgium to mexico next 
after this break. Welcome back to Park in the Bus, Episode 8. And uh, before we go to the Sunday Night Sportsbook, which is coming up in just a few minutes with Leo Kukakis of DGENs United, just a few more things to report. And we're going to stay in Europe for a split second and go to Italia for the playoffs in Serie B and pick up where we left off last week. So last week we all, of course, talked about um, the playoffs, and we had the first legs of the semifinals. Um, at the time we recorded, Chievo Verona had already won 2-0 over Spezia, and Por- Pordenone had beaten Francinone uh, 0-1. Okay, on, uh, on Monday, August the 10th, we had the first leg of the relegation playoff final. So there's two playoffs going on in Italian Serie B right now. A playoff to be promoted and a playoff to be relegated. So the relegation final, it's Pescara versus Perugia. And the first leg was on Monday in Pescara, in Abruzzo. It was Pescara 2, Perugia 1. Then we move to the second legs of the semifinal on the 11th on Tuesday. Spezia at home overcoming a 2-0 result. However, uh, giving away the own goal, Spezia was. But own goals are not part of the competition, remember. And um, Spezia overcome losing the first leg 2-0. Winning 3-1 at home. Again, no own goal rule. Team that is higher on the table advances. So it is Spezia moving on to the final in the Italian Serie B promotion playoff. Their opponent in the final. It would be the second leg between Pordenone and Francinone. First leg went to Pordenone 1-0 on the road. Well, they would turn around at home and let it slip. That's right. Francinone go on the road, go to Pordenone and win 2-0. And Francinone are in to the promotion finals. That match was played on, on Wednesday the 12th. Now we go to Friday the 14th, and it's leg number two of the relegation playoffs, and it is Perugia versus Pescara. The match ends Perugia 2, Pescara 1. That means it's 1-1, and in the final, uh, you would go to a penalty shootout, all right? So it would go... First of all, yeah, it would go to a penalty shootout after extra time. And it would be Pescara winning the penalty shootout 4-2. to Pescara stay in Serie B. The former Serie A club avoids relegation to the third level. Huge results for them. As I've said, they are the closest to a home team that my wife's family has in Solmona in Italy. So I'm happy to see them stay in Serie B. And then today, leg number one of the promotion final. Francinone at home, zero. Spezia on the road, one. So Spezia wins 1-0 on the road. Second leg will be August the 20th, and that is on Thursday. That one will decide which team goes up to Serie A. Now, let's get in the bus again and let's pull it up to Mexico. Liga Emekis. There were matches all week long in Liga Emekis this week. There was a, literally matches every single day, so I'm not going to run through the results. I'm going to go right to the table here in Liga Emekis. Top of the table. Who else but Las Aguilas? Uh, Club America with 10 points from four matches, three victories, one draw. And they are level on points with Cruz Azul, who also have 10 points. But that's from five matches, three victories, one draw, one defeat for La Máquina. Third place is Pumas with nine points. Toluca also on nine points in fourth. Tigres are fifth with eight. Then Puebla, Chivas, Pachuca, León. All with 7 points from 6th through 9th and 10th place. It's Monterrey with 6 points. Atletico de San Luis, 
sister club of Atletico Ottawa, and of course the famous Atletico Madrid, who we'll talk about a little bit here in the in the Sunday night sports book in just a few minutes. Uh, Atletico San Luis are eleventh on five points. Santos Laguna twelfth, the final playoff spot right now, with five points. FC Juarez also on five points, but with um. No, but losing whatever tiebreaker it is that they're using in Mexico because the entire line is even. They're both one win, two draws, two losses, five goals for, seven goals against. They have the same exact numbers. Mezaltan FC are 14th with five points as well, but one goal less in the goal difference. Department Nicaxa are 15th on five points also with a negative three goal difference. Quetaro are 16th with four points. Cholos Tijuana have four points from four matches. And last place is Atlas with two points from five matches. All right, let's throw it now to the Sunday Night Sportsbook. Here is my conversation with Leo Kokakis of DGensUnited.com and the DGens United Podcast. Welcome back to Park in the Bus. We're here another week with our resident DJ. And that's right. It's time for the Sunday night sports book. And Leo Kukakis is here from DJs United. Leo, what's up, brother? What's up, Capitano? How we doing today, baby? We wonderful. We're wonderful, man. Uh, I just put in a, a long shift last night with that UFC card uh, breaking into, uh, as you know, PTB Media now covering MMA for the big card. Yes, PTB Media dropping a YouTube video. Now, Capitano, I know you had a tough night, especially with Burns <laughs> and O'Malley, but you had DGen right here at DGens United. Again, you can hear the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, DGens underscore United. Hear the podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, wherever your heart desires. We actually had a real good night headlined by um, uh, who was the dude that knocked out Junior? Oh, Jairzinho uh, Rosenstruck. We called that one. It went yeah. exactly as we called it. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> knockout in round two, plus yeah. 500 winner, baby. And oh, yeah. It was it was beauty because Junior was winning that fight. He uh, he was fighting perfect until the one shot got landed. Hey, like we talked about the whole time yesterday, all it takes is one in that sport. That's it. All right, let's get to the footy. That's what we're here to talk about tonight. All right, MLS is back. It's over. MLS will be back. Actually, there's a match today. FC Dallas playing Nashville SC again tonight. But let's talk MLS is back real quick. We had the final. Portland Timbers are your winners. Are you surprised? Not at all. Not at all. Eventually, I knew that uh, Orlando would kind of um, – their form would kind of drop a little bit, especially without Dom Dwyer. The miss of Dom Dwyer was definitely evident right there. Um, not, not really surprised at all at the result. No, you know, it was a great run for Orlando City. They got some momentum going, but the I think they played above their their capabilities for this tournament, and I think they overachieved to even get to the final. Um, yeah, so, for sure. So, you know, respect to Orlando City, but Portland Timbers, uh, no surprise there. Gio Savarese, good manager, managed to win the trophy at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Diego Valeri, too, came through in the clutch. He played a really nice game uh, overall. Yeah, just Portland really did deserve it. They were way better than Orlando on the day. All right, let's move along. We got Europa League is down to the semifinals kicking off today. Um, let's talk about the quarterfinals for a minute. Uh, what was your favorite game in that in that Europa League uh, quartet? I think my favorite game was definitely Wolves and uh, Sevilla. I mean, it was just back and forth. It was really entertaining to watch. I still can't believe something that hasn't been talked about nearly enough is the fact that that was definitely a red card on the penalty for Traore. Mm-hmm. He was in on goal. I still can't figure out how they don't give a red card. But Raul Jimenez steps up. He misses the penalty. And then, again, the dude that I gush over, Lucas Ocampos. Mm. I love this dude. He's the most underrated player in Europe. I never hear anybody other than me talk about him, which just blows my (laughs) mind. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Just continues to score goals left and right. Uh, Lucas Ocampos comes through in the clutch. Sevilla finds a way to get the win. Yeah, it's a big win, and it's heartbreaking for Wolves because there's no European football next season. At the Molyneux, and I had said in the Europa League uh, review show that I don't like, I didn't like the way Jimenez took the penalty kick against Olympiacos. I don't like that hop, and then he kicks on the landing. You have no yeah. chance to get any power. If the goalie guesses right, he's saving that. Unbelievable because Raul Jimenez was yet to miss a penalty in his senior career. 
at the club level. He was 18 for 18 until that penalty kick. Brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Worst time to miss. But, you know, it was a long season, and, and Wolves, I think they their fans are proud of them. I was listening to BBC Five afterwards. Their fans are proud of them. They, they um, you know, they love yeah, their they club. they definitely overachieved. They overachieved. And now I think this new season that's starting soon for Wolves is a crucial one because they're either going to stay near the top six or they're going to lose too many players without European football and find themselves back fighting in the fight to avoid relegation. It's going to tell Fortunately, us- I do think yeah. I think it's over for him. But Al Jimenez, one foot out the door. Traore, one foot out the door. It Rui all depends. Patricio. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough it, to see for those it guys. It depends what kind of players George Mendes, the, the super agent, is going to bring back into Wolverhampton because uh, – on my Mr. Benfica podcast, we talk about George Mintz from time to time. My long conversation with Mario from, uh, from Benfica after 90. We, George Mintz was a big part of that. He is the super agent. He calls all the shots at Valencia, at Wolves, at you know the Portuguese clubs, several other clubs. He has so many connections, and he does feed these teams players. We'll see what goes to Wolves for this new season. But they really, without European football, for me, have to get back in a Europa League spot at the very minimum at the end of this season. They're going to have a slight advantage because of the less fixture congestion. They won't be playing matches. But if they don't stay there this year, I fear they're going to find themselves falling back to the pack that that fights relegation every season. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Tough to see, but sets up a really interesting uh, semifinal. You got Manchester United Sevilla today, and then yeah. you got Inter Milan. I think they're going to get through on the other side too. So mm-hmm. either way, four really good teams, really interesting battles, uh, but not nearly as interesting as Champions League, huh? No, not at all. Let's get to that because that's I know what you're dying to talk about. Uh, which game you want to go with first? You want to get it out of the way? Yeah, let's get it out of my system. Okay, my we're going to go. We suck. We're going to go to yesterday. Leon three, Manchester City one. Um, what happened to Raheem Sterling there with the goal wide open? It's, it's really funny because the people that listen to the podcast regularly, every time I talk about Manchester City, I bring up Raheem. I bring up how much he's grown up, how well he's played on the Guardiola. But every single time I bring him up, I always say he's the type of goal a guy that's going to score the incredible goal from yeah. the corner of the penalty box. He's going to curl the top 90, make it go wild. But he's also the guy that's going to miss from six yards away in an open net. He he misses, and I literally drop to my knees. If you rewatch Guardiola, he drops to his knees. He puts his hands like this. I did the exact same. I fell on yeah. my knees. I put my hands in my head, and I couldn't I couldn't believe that he missed it. I've rewatched it ten times, and I just think to myself, why do we pay him? Pay me? I can actually score <laughs> that on occasion. That'd be great. I was watching this match on – I watched the second half on CBS Sportsnet on um, CBS All Access, okay? And they got fantastic post-game coverage. They showed the still shot where Raheem Sterling misses. Jamie Carragher is like this. Yeah. And then Mika Richards has just got – he literally falls from his seat at that point. And um, as you know, Mika, Micah Richards, however you want to pronounce it, a – City ex-player, yeah. and he, he lives and dies. You know, he, he's a blue through and through, a, a citizen through and through. And he just – he had a hard time even even talking in the postgame after that. It was, um, I think, a little bit of hard luck for Manchester City. Um, but what's up, you know, what's up with Pep? Why is Bernardo Silva not playing? The, the whole reason why. I mean, if you listen uh, to DGENs United yesterday, I was all, I was all over Leon. Again, all of our picks are on the website, too, dgensunited.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all over Leon plus two. I also had Leon to advance at plus 800. I had a bad feeling about it. And then I saw the lineup and I said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And again, we've said this multiple times. You know, I'm very, very critical of the lineups that Pep has been putting out there recently. Mm-hmm. But to set up in a way where you're going to have the four defenders. you I hate Jao Concelo on the left-hand side. By the way, he was our best player yesterday. He was good. Far. He was good. But I also like him much more on the right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you put the kid in position, he's even better. But he was fantastic yesterday. He deserves a lot of credit for playing out of Mm -hmm. position. And then in the middle, to play Laporte is obvious. But then you have Eric Garcia, who I'm okay with. No problem. You good with that? I was going to ask you about that. You know, he's 19 years old, but he's been really good for us all year. Uh So I, I can't really, I can't get too upset about that. The part that I do get upset at, what do you mean? 
This is a game that we should be taking it to Lyon and Pep Guardiola starts three defensive central midfielders and Gundogan, whose form has been slipping all year. Uh, for that Dingo, who's been very, very good, he should have been the lone central, uh, central yeah. defensive mid. And then you have Rodri. Why is Rodri in the game? Mm-hmm. He doesn't fit our style. He's the type of guy that you want to put in the last 30 minutes. You don't want to put him in from the start of the game right. in a game like this where it's, you want to dominate the possession. You want to dom- dominate the flow of the game. If you watch just that first 20 minutes of that game, even before Cornet scored, you watch it and you say, oh, boy, Leon's in this. Literally yeah. 20 minutes in, I think I text you and I said, yeah, this is going to be a bad game. Yeah, It was just poor, poor. And then every time that Raheem got forward, again, Raheem missed the obvious one and we can get on him. But overall, he was pretty good throughout. De Bruyne scores the goal that ties the game 1-1, but he struggled all game too. The entire time, Gabriel Jesus, where were you, dude? Were you on the Were you on the field yesterday? Yeah, not I a good game for Gabriel once. Jesus at all. Terrible, man. I mean, every time Raheem's going forward on uh, left-hand side, he's literally going by himself. Gabriel Jesus, he refuses to come into the box. I mean, if you rewatch, just watch number nine. He does not go in the box. It's extremely frustrating. He sits yeah. on the edge of the box. And it just drives me absolutely crazy when I watch it. And then on the right-hand side, you're starting De Bruyne. De Bruyne and David Silva should have been your starters. You should have put Bernardo Silva or Riyad Mahrez on the right-hand side. It would have been absolutely perfect. But instead, this is what happens, Pep. That's what happens when you put that kind of lineup out in that kind of game. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's going to get you know his fair share of blame for this. But also, I want to give credit to Rudy Garcia, the manager for Leon, for one thing, because... At around, I don't know, was it 70 minutes? It's 1-1, and City's got all the momentum. And then he subs off Memphis Depay. And I'm mm. saying, what are you doing? There's your pen. Here's the, the, the coach in me, and this is something a lot of managers, I think, ignore. But you're in a single knockout match, which means extra time and penalties are a, a possibility. And you're subbing mm. off your penalty kicker. So many right. managers do this. I don't understand it. But, hey. It all worked out because Dembele comes well, on for one more thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Go for I'm it. I'm so sorry. I, 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 one thing I was watching on the Spanish channel, I was watching on uh, TUDN. TUDN, yeah. The VAR on that second goal, they were checking for a foul. How about the offsides? Anybody notice the guy that was offsides by a mile? But, oh, he spread his legs and let him go through. Oh, yeah, because he wasn't running toward the ball at the first place. Yeah, I was a little shocked that that goal stood, to be honest. Ridiculous. I I didn't even react. I was like, okay, he's offside. They didn't call it. No problem. Sitting there waiting. And by the way, this ref sucked. I'm not one Mm -hmm. to usually get on the refs. Why Uh did you suck? (laughs) That hair gel seeped into your stupid head, buddy. Yeah. Uh Um. Sorry, I, this is a tough one for me to get my bias around. Oh, I, I, I'm totally <laughs> – and I'm totally playing at your bias. But, but, um, but yeah, again, like I was saying, Memphis Depay is coming off, and I think Rudy Garcia has lost his mind. And, yep. But, no, no, Dumbele comes on and scores two goals. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised not to see Dumbele from the start, but I heard that he had a bit of a knock in training. So yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. He comes on, he scores two goals. He's the, he's the game changer, and, you know, it, it – it is what it is. That's what Pep gets. You, you asked for it. You got it. So you're out. Mm-hmm. One more thing, though. One really encouraging thing that I saw was actually Bernardo Silva tweeting out after the game. I'm not sure if you saw the tweet. Uh, tweeting out as if he was staying. He was extremely frustrated about the end of the season. Of course. He apologizes to the fan. He's the best. He's the he, best. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. He is um, – it's not a secret. He's the world's biggest Benfica fan, right? He never got his chance with the first team due to political reasons. But he is like, he's gotten into a war of words with, with Porto's staff, like their, their president. He, he's had Twitter battles with, and I'm pretty sure Pep has told him to knock it off. <laughs> but he is, he's the best. Like he is what you want in a team. And he's, he's the utmost professional. And, uh, that, that game was the game was crying out for him, man. It was crying out for him. It was begging, please, Bernardo, come on to the right wing. And come like, be the force that we need. And I'm not saying this because I'm Portuguese. If if this competition was played in a different country and other players, I would say the same thing. But same with uh, Bernardo at Man City and with John Felix at Atletico Madrid. These managers keep these guys on the bench in their home country. They've got an extra. They've got an extra energy in them when they go home to play. In my opinion. There's no crowd to, to put pressure on them. They're just – they're home. They're excited. You know, they're, they're the ones people are talking about at home, all right? And it was – there was no secret people 
the press. Everyone in Portugal is talking about they wanted to see Man City versus Atleti in the final to see Jean-Felix take on Bernardo Silva. And both of these managers, Guardiola and Simeone, don't use these guys. You know, they sit these guys in their home. You know, when they're traveling into their home country with a with an extra chip on their shoulder, an extra, an extra pep little bit to step. prove, a little extra pep in the step. I don't understand. Like, I think these managers have such tunnel vision, and they see the game in such a narrow way that, first of all, I think Pep was to me looked like he was managing, like he was going to the final, and he was managing minutes until the final, and now he's found play, himself out. To play a Latin over. Um, over Bernardo Silva was just asinine mm-hmm. to me. It just it, when I saw him coming in the game, I said, "Oh, that means no Bernardo Silva." He waits till he waits till I think they had just scored the second goal before he puts on the maestro, David Silva. Yeah, just exactly. Terrible, terrible. Another guy. Something the game was calling for was a a distributor like like David Silva. Yeah, just brutal, man. But uh, that did cap off a really interesting week in Champions League. Every game was really interesting. The Atletico game. Uh, I talked at length about the Jal Felix thing. I was extremely yeah. frustrated. I just can't understand how you start, how you pay 113 million euros for a player like that. 126. Caliber. 126, sorry. <laughs> uh, and, and you leave him on the bench. And then the second that he comes into the game, he's the, he's the difference maker. And you just look at Simeone and say, you idiot. You idiot. Simeone is very stubborn. Um, I, I've liked him in the past. I don't like where he's going. He, he is not evolving with the game. He's not evolving with the players he has in his squad. He was, he's still managing the way he did 10 years ago with completely different players, different generation. You know, yeah. we talk about it in business all the time about the millennial employee and, and the mindset. You can't approach them the way you impro- approach a Gen Y, Gen X or whatever. Right. And, and Diego Simeone is, he's got, he left Thomas Lamar on the bench as well. You know, Joel Felix, Thomas Lamar, all the young talent that that team has gone out to get, and he's not trusting them. And he, he, uh, can't he should not manage. have that kind of budget. No, he can't seem to manage any other way than the way that he always has, which is to, to hold back and to retreat. I mean, both – and I think even Pep, to some extent, I think played too, too defensively in this – or in, the mentality was too defensive – uh, he's got the better squad. Why is he, why is he so worried about his weaknesses versus the strengths of Leon's? You know, that should right. his his strengths should outpower Leon. Um, and and Simeone, same thing. I mean, he's ceding so much territory to to Leipzig. He's inviting them on. The match is one one late, and he's he, everybody's backing off. And you know, Tyler Adams gets the fortunate bounce that that buries Atletico Madrid. And Brutal. here's my thing with, with Simeone. You got three years now of Real Madrid and Barcelona, you know, on the down slope. Right. We've seen three of the weakest Barcelona Real Madrid seasons. And Atleti unable to take advantage and to t- steal a title. And now you have all the big dogs out of the Champions League with the exception of Bayern. And Brutal. Atleti can't get past RB Leipzig with all due respect. How, you know. At what point do you make a change if you're Atletico Madrid? How about Bayern, though, huh? Yeah, let's get to that. Um, what were your reactions? Hi, you doing Bayern? Wowzers. Okay. They scored in the first three minutes. I said, all right, this is kind of what I expect. Barca get the stupid goal. Yeah. And legitimately, what an absolute massacre. Brilliant performance by Bayern. They look like Bayern again. Bayern really is do. winning this whole thing now. Lyon is out. Atletico's out. I don't care about Leipzig. I don't care about PSG. Congratulations, Bayern, on the Champions League. It is over. I I have a hard time believing anybody's going to beat them. Um, they have just been, uh, they've just been nearly perfect since the restart. They came back from this COVID break and they have done nothing but massacre everything in their way. This isn't even the first eight goal game. I'm pretty sure they had an eight goal game in the Bundesliga as well. And I just, I just love the way they don't stop. Okay. And this is what to me, professional athletes are supposed to do. They have a job to do. They play from the first whistle to the final whistle. I don't care if you're winning five nil, you continue to push. This is what champions do. Bayern Munich just have everything that you epitomize with, with championship caliber and championship quality. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing too, I think the most impressive thing about the Bayern Munich win was the fact that Lewandowski, the record goal scorer in Germany, he's had a Ballon d'Or type year mm-hmm. and this dude scored one goal. I think yeah, that's completely lost. It was so lost. spread out. So spread yeah. out. Felipe Coutinho comes in for the extra spit in the face of Barcelona. <laughs> Literally, while they're down, that's like the the kick to the you know. Just while absolutely down. brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. I loved it. I was watching till the end, and I saw Coutinho come on. I go, that that would be the icing on the cake. Let yeah. him get one. He doesn't get one; he gets two. That's right. just the ultimate. It, it's br- so everybody either loves that result or hates that result, depending how you feel about Barcelona, because nobody is lukewarm on Barcelona. You either love them or you hate them. So that yep. definitely that definitely pushes the needle, you know, in terms of uh, you know social media interaction and and TV numbers. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the TV numbers were for these matches um, when they when they are released, you know, in the near future. Um, what else you got this week? What are you looking forward to? Looking forward to this week, obviously, uh, Champions League, of course. Looking forward to the Europa League a lot, actually. I'm looking forward to the game that starts at 3 o'clock. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting game. United-Sevilla? Uh, yeah, it might take a game to watch. Unfortunately, um, I think this is going to get released after. But after that, yeah, the season's kind of coming to an end. I'm just ready to focusing now on basketball and hockey a little bit more. Okay. But, yeah, Champions League's pretty much over, man. It's over. I was so pumped up for it. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, night, I'm really looking forward to Monday's quarter uh, semifinal, Inter versus Shakhtar. I think Shakhtar has been playing amazing as of late. And if anybody's going to beat Inter, well, I shouldn't say that, but I think Shakhtar's got as good a chance to pull the upset here and to win this Europa League as any of the other teams. They're just that, that four in the attack they have, there were Marlos, Tyson, uh, Junior Moraes, and... Um, the other one is eluding me right now. And Mar- I said Marlos. Um, Patrick Vieira. And um, those are the – or Alan Patrick, excuse me. Those four in attack for Shakhtar have absolutely torched everything that's been in their sight yeah. so far. Inter are probably the favorites along with uh, United at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Antonio Conte's got his team playing some really good football. The team seems motivated to win this trophy. It's been a long time since Inter has won a trophy. They were Champions League winner about a, a decade ago. But yeah, back a little in, more than that. A little more than that. Was it 09? It might have been 09 yeah. um, under Mourinho. So it's been a long time for, for a big club like Inter. I'm really excited to see how that game plays out. Yeah, it should be a doozy, man. Pretty, pretty good week of uh, footy for us. So next week's episode should be pretty dope. Should have a lot to cover, so. Yeah, next week we'll be coming on right after the Champions League final, so I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Unfortunately, I won't have anything to complain about with Manchester City, but yeah, (laughs) it should be pretty interesting. (laughs) Uh, All right, Leo, I know you got to run. You got a a big, fat Greek uh, baby shower going on right now behind you. Bridal shower. Bridal shower. with the baby stuff. (laughs) All right, well, um, the, the invitation's in the mail for nine months from now. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Good. Yes. So, um, thank you for taking <laughs> time out of your day here to talk to me today. Um, thank you for everything you're doing over at DGENs United. What are you looking at this week on DGENs United? Anything non-football related? What's big? Yeah, man. Basketball. Basketball's getting going. Playoffs mm-hmm. are getting started. We got a bunch of stuff there. Uh, breaking down a bunch of the series prices and stuff like that. Uh, hockey's in full throttle right now. Obviously, a lot of opinions about the Bruins because we're from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, just breaking everything down. You know, sports isn't sleeping anymore. You know, I used to say sports never had a day off. Well, guess what? We got four months off. Everything is back. Tennis <laughs> is coming back, too. We got mm-hmm. the ATP Challenger events. I'm all fired up. I'm ready. I got daily content spreading out for the PTB Media Network. Uh, I love doing the YouTube video with the mm-hmm. UFC show with you. Uh, for those of you that, that was fun. didn't get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend watching it even now that everything's over. Uh, it was a really quality program. So we'll have more content like that coming out for the PTB network. And then uh, DGENs United, of course, follow us, DGENs underscore United on yeah. Twitter. Love me, hate me, doesn't matter. Follow me, let me know. Let me make this the best podcast around for you guys. And uh, DGENsUnited.com, you can follow all of our pick history there. Picks, and anal- uh, picks are up every day. I color code it. I make it look real pretty for you so you don't have to go anywhere else. Um, we got the YouTube channel. We got, we got a million things going on. All right, guys. So follow us on Twitter. You can find everything there or follow PTB media network as well. Uh, on Twitter, you'll get all the information right there.
All right. Thanks, Leo. Go have some fun. Go, uh, go have a few, throw a few back. All right. Uh, have a toast to, to, uh, to the future of Man City and Panathinaikos. Dump some out for Man City. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Leo. I'll talk to you next week. All right, Capitano. Thank you, my All friend. Right. All right. Peace out. Everybody listening, we will be right back here on Parking the Bus, episode number eight. Thank you to Leo Kukakis for joining us on that segment of the Sunday Night Sports Show. And now we pull up the bus for it's the final stop this week, and it is in Brazil. We are going south to South America, where the big story so far this season in Brazil is the slow start for the defending champions. That's right, Flamengo start off the season with two defeats. If you want to hear about those, you can hear all about it if you go to my Flamengo Nation podcast. That's right. Go to Spotify and search Flamengo Nation. There's also a link to the show in the show notes of this episode where you can click there and go to Flamengo Nation and hear my review of the first two matches. Now, since um, since those matches, the most recent one that I've done an episode on was Wednesday's 3-0 defeat on the road to Athletic Goianis. Uh, we do have a whole slew of new results that have come in in the last two days in the Brasileiro. And it is the fo- it's the third match day of the campaign for Brasileiro 2020. So here are the scores starting yesterday. It's Grêmio nil, Corinthians nil, Coritiba nil. Flamengo, the defending champions under under uh, Dominic Torrent and all of his and all of the pressure on the verge of losing Rafinha to Olympiacos of Greece, they answer the call. Flamengo go to Coritiba and win one nil. Palmeiras one, Goiás one. Matches from today. Perhaps the most impressive team in the entire Brasileiro, Atlético Mineiro. 2, Serra, 0. Bahia, 2. Red Bull, Bragantino, 1. Vasco da Gama, 2. São Paulo, 1. Big, big result for Vasco da Gama there. Fluminense with a big win today. They win 2-1 at home to Inter Porto Alegre. Atlético Goianes is playing as we... Actually, that match should have concluded already. Uh, let's take a look here as we are recording, as you know, Sunday night. Atletico Goianes 1, Sport Recife 1. And the remaining matches in the Brasileiro today. Let's take a look. There is one more match today. And it is... Uh, it, I'm sorry, there are two more matches today. Fortaleza nil, Botafogo nil. And kicking off at seven at seven forty-five local time. Let's see if they kicked off. They have kicked off, and this match is almost complete. So closing out the round here, it is Santos at home three, Atlético Paranaense nil, and Santos picking up a big win here. They're three minutes from full time as we record. Let's go to the table, okay? In the Serie. Uh, the Brazilian Serie A, of course. The Brasileirão, as we know it. First place is Atlético Mineiro. Like I said, they are the impressive team out of the blocks uh, this season. Atlético, three wins from three matches, nine points. Second place, Vasco da Gama. Two victories from two matches. They got six points. Inter Porto Alegre is third on six points. Bahia, fourth now with six points as well. Atlético Paranaense, a um, about to receive their first loss of the season at, at Santos. They have six points from three matches. Grêmio Porto Alegre, five points from three matches. Atlético Goianense, four points from two matches. Santos, they have four points now from three matches once this one concludes in eighth. Fluminense are ninth with four points. Sport Recife, tenth with four points. São Paulo, are 11th, three points from two matches, while Flamengo sit in 12th right now. The defending champions, three points from three matches, a negative three goal difference. 
not faring any better is Palmeiras, last year's uh, contenders and the champions of the previous season. Palmeiras, two matches, two points. Botafogo is 14th with two points. Bragantino, Red Bull Bragantino, 15th, two points. Corinthians, 16th, one point. Goiás, 17th, one point. Ceará, 18th, one point. Fortaleza, 19th, one point. And it is Curitiba in the cellar. Three matches, zero points, 20th place for Curitiba. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for episode 8 of Park in the Bus. It has been a week filled with football to talk about, and there's plenty more to come. Stay tuned this week. There'll be another episode of Flamengo Nation this week um, over on the Flamengo Nation channel, which um, right now available on Spotify only as we are awaiting uh, approval for the other platforms. But Spotify is a fantastic platform, so head on over, uh, search for Flamingo Nation, catch up with the Mingo. Also coming this week here on the PTB Network, I've got a Champions Review, a Champions League review show coming up, and also a Europa League semifinal review show. Okay, and before the week is out, there will be a new episode of Mister Benfica. There is a signing that I am waiting on. Waiting for it to be official to do this episode so I can talk about the transfers. A lot of big names coming into my Benfica this this week. That's right, Jan Vertonghen, uh, Everton Cebolinha, uh, Luca Waldschmidt, and I am waiting for the final announcement, which may or may not be Edison Cavani. Waiting for it to be official to release that episode, so keep an ear out to that. Um, for Mr. Benfica, a uh, new episode dropping at some point this week. All right, thank you for joining me once again. This has been the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your Sunday night home for football talk. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. <laughs>